0: In our last session together, we enjoyed both the real fun part of how to outwit a mosquito, but also learned so much about the deeper aspects of the practice of Ahimsa, where it comes from, what it really means and how must it be practiced also on a very practical outward relaxed reality. And today, we're going to go into, in a sense, another one of Patanjali's uh, yamas, which is non-lying. But not from the perspective of telling lies, but from the perspective of our thoughts and our words, and the power that they carry, especially when you have been aligning yourself to truth often enough, as most saints have, and as especially Sri Yukteswar and Lahiri Maharajaya here will demonstrate. It starts with Sri Uptishwarji saying to young Mukunda, You are too thin, Mukunda. His remark struck a sensitive point. (laughs) That my sunken eyes and emaciated appearance were far from my liking was testified by rows of tonics in my room at Calcutta. So Master was, as a young boy, always very thin and it was one thing that he was kind of not too happy about his He's physical thin. appearance and so he was from a very young age already trying how can he get more robust and how he can build his body up a little bit nothing availed chronic dyspepsia had pursued me since childhood then Sri Yukteswarji says medicines have limitations the creative life force has none believe that you are you believe that you shall be well and strong Sri ukteshwar's words aroused a conviction of personally applicable truth which no other healer and i had tried many had been able to summon within me so it wasn't just Paramahansa Yogananda's own um, ability to feel and believe and know that in his heart these words were true. But it was also in a sense that particular exchange. Sometimes we go to people hoping that they can help us. But even that relationship has to be based on a lot of power, a lot of faith. And here of course Sri Yukteswarji's uh, master knows Sri Yukteswarji's unity with God. knows that every word he says comes from that space of power. So it helped awaken in him that uh, uh, conviction as well. Day by day, behold, I waxed. Two weeks after master's hidden blessing, I had accumulated the invigorating weight which eluded me in the past. My persistent stomach ailments vanished with a lifelong permanency. On later occasions I witnessed my Guru's instantaneous divine healings of persons suffering from ominous disease like tuberculosis, diabetes, epilepsy or paralysis. Years ago I too was anxious to put on weight, Sri Yukteswar told me. During convalescence with a severe illness I visited Lahiri Mahashaya in Banaras. Sir, I have been very sick and lost many pounds. I see Sri Yukteswar, you made yourself unwell and now you think you are thin. This reply was far from the one I had expected. My guru, however, added encouragingly, let me see, I am sure you ought to feel better tomorrow. Taking his words as a gesture of secret healing Toward my receptive mind, I was not surprised the next morning at a welcome ascension of strength. I sought out my master and exclaimed exultingly, Sir, I feel much better today. (gasps) Indeed, today you invigorate yourself. No master, I protested. It was you who helped me. This is the first time in weeks that I have had my energy. (laughs) Fun little exchange going on. Oh, yes, your malady has been quite serious. Your body is frail yet. Who can say how it will be tomorrow? The thought of possible return of my weakness brought a shudder of cold fear. The following morning, I could hardly drag myself to Lahri Mahasaya's house. Sir, so I am ailing again. My Guru's gra- glance was quizzical. So, once more you dis- indispose. indispose yourself. Thank you. Gurudeva, I realize now that day by day you have been ridiculing me. My patience was exhausted. I don't understand why you disbelieve my truthful reports. Really, it has been your thoughts that have made you feel alternately weak. And strong. My master looked at me affectionately. You have seen how your health has exactly followed your expectations. Thought is a force even as electricity or gravitation. The human mind is a spark of the almighty consciousness of God. I could show you that whatever your powerful mind believes very intensely would instantly come to pass. Knowing that Lahiri Mahashaya never spoke idly, I addressed him with great awe and gratitude. Master, if I think I am well and have regained my former weight, shall that happen? It is so even at this moment. My Guru spoke gravely, his eyes concentrated on me. Lo, I felt an increase not alone of strength but of weight. Lehri Mahashaya retreated into silence. After a few hours at his feet, I returned to my mother's home. My son, what is the matter? Are you swelling with dropsy? Mother could hardly believe her eyes. My body was now of the same robust dimensions it had possessed before my illness. Now, of course, we can see behind this exchange just the, the little fun of Guru Disciple, two, two self-realized, self-realized masters, masters. <laughs> playing this little game with essentially us. But um, they're trying to prove a very, very, very crucial point. Two different aspects are at play here. One, of course, is, as we mentioned already, is the influence of the people around us. Now Sri ji's receptive mind was open to first and foremost everything that Lahiri Mahashaya was very subtly saying Oh yes, look at you. I think tomorrow you will be fine. And then Sri Yukteswar felt, oh, okay, I must be fine tomorrow. And then no, you know, I think you're a little frail. Be careful if the illness doesn't return. And that happens. Now, of course, they're exaggerating this process for us. But the truth is, all of us are so influenced constantly influenced by our parents what they think of us by our spouses by our friends by our peers by the television by what we consider good health is by the billboards <laughs> you know we're just influenced so greatly that all these thoughts that we think are o- our own all these perspectives that we think are our own the truth is they're not our own they're all mishmashed from our childhood until now of everything that has stayed with us, everything that has made even a little bit of a dent in our consciousness and all of it gathers together to create our world perceptions, to create our inner perceptions as well. So you've got this one reality playing out, which is the external influence that the world plays on us, that all individuals we come into contact play on us, some more, some less. Some outwardly, some very subtly. So that's one. Then you've got your own inner world. And what that inner world does is also creating again and again this reality. Now, this is a fun part here. Sri Yukteswarji asks Lehari Mahashaya, Master, if I think I am well and have regained my former weight, shall that happen? And Lenny Masha's response is quite interesting. It is so, even at this moment. What does that mean? So, in the moment, as I think, I am wonderful, I am well, I am, you know, successful, I am strong, I am the best. In that moment, it is actually so. Unfortunately, our next thoughts tend to be, But really am I that strong? But that other person told me this. And then in that moment, that is so. Can you see the beauty of how moment by moment we're creating our own reality? But we keep also negating those realities that we create. We say one positive thought, we say six negative thoughts, boom, all gone in one direction or the other. We put out a lot of willpower, hoping something will be accomplished, but the mind's not focused enough it's scattered we want too many other things to be accomplished and the universe doesn't know which part of you to fulfill which energy to give more to and of course if our thoughts are more about food and less about the success that we're looking for you know naturally we're not going to achieve that success so it's not just about being well being strong being how you want to be it is about everything that's going on Lahri Mahasaya's words Be it so, even in this moment, which means moment by moment we're creating a reality. And that is why, of course, we talk a lot about affirmations as a repetitive force that needs to be introduced over and over again so that it replaces all other thoughts. But that alignment with our own thought process is so crucial Everything that comes through everything that's being transferred through us is as Lahiri Mahashaya said thought is a force even as electricity and gravitation every thought is a force being planted into the universe which the universe is obligated to respond to it's both a huge weight but also an amazing tool to say wow I could potentially change absolutely anything about me that I want. But then you have to be like, but what all am I working on? And whatever I'm working on inwardly, whatever influences I allow to change and develop my perceptions, that's what the universe is responding to. Very amazing stuff.
1: amazing. I was also thinking that this episode of this healing between Sri Yukteswar's power to infuse that miracle uh, in Yogananda's health happened only um, or after a few months Mm. uh, that Yogananda arrived to his hermitage. So it wasn't a priority for Yogananda to be healed from the very beginning. He had to learn other lessons, through a mosquito. I mean, a mosquito had really more power than for Yogananda to be healed then. So we are talking here about six, seven months after Yogananda uh, came to Sri Yukteswar. So sometimes what we consider something important for our spiritual progress it's not, and sometimes uh, to recover yourself from a disease, from a physical illness, is not a priority under your guru's guidance. I mean, if the guru, and only if the guru considers, considers mm-hmm. that you are open enough.
0: What would he say? You are not here. Master interrupted himself one afternoon with with this disclosure. As usual, he was keeping track of my attention with a devastating immediacy. (laughs) Guruji, my tone was a protest. I have not stirred. My eyelids have not moved. I can repeat each word you have uttered. Nevertheless, you were not fully with me. Your objection forces me to remark that in your mental background, you were creating three institutions. One was a a sylvan retreat on a plain, another on a hilltop, and a third by the ocean. What, What can I do with such a master who penetrates my random musings? But this is where I love this particular paragraph now. Sri says you have given me that right the subtle two truths I am expounding cannot be grasped without your complete concentration unless necessary I do not invade the seclusion of others minds man has the natural privilege of roaming secretly among his thoughts the unbidden Lord Does not enter there. Neither do I venture intrusion. Wouldn't we just wish that they just keep coming in and just change our thoughts? And you know, wouldn't it be so much easier for us if they didn't require our permission? But that's just how they are. That's just part of the law of returning back to God. As we said, it has to come from us. And this is the... Critical point of the guru-disciple relationship The disciple has given permission to the guru just as Sri Yukteswar ji says you have given me that right But know that this right again needs to be given daily mm-hmm. Moment by moment because anytime, time just as the moment uh, Master shifted into an absent-minded state Sri Yukteswar ji said well, I, I can't give you right now had to stop his discourse because he says what I'm about to what I'm giving you the subtle truths of these is just it doesn't work unless you are a hundred percent focused and concentrated and it's the same for us the moment we move away inwardly our attunement our alignment shifts the gurus have to stop because they will not force themselves into our lives
1: and especially in meditation how many times we try to connect, to receive that guidance, we are praying, we are asking to the Guru, but are we really 100% right there with Him? Are we really (laughs) listening to His words or are we only listening to what we want to ask? So even in meditation, this process becomes much more subtle so let's do this both in our activities in our responsibilities but especially in meditation let's make sure we are right there with the masters 100 percent, opening not only our mind our hearts every pore of our skin needs to be there receptive to receive that kind of information otherwise believe me we miss half of the information that they are downloading in meditation so maybe this week that can be something to work on Uh, in our meditations how fully present are we and whenever we need to bring back ourselves to that inner concentrated interaction i think the more the more successful our meditations will be
0: someone really yeah, wants really us. wants something but <laughs> um, well, we will not budge
1: what about if it's Sri Yukteswar? <laughs>
0: <laughs> if it's Sri Yukteswarji he will walk through the door okay okay then of course Yogananda says you are ever welcome master You can make as many intrusions into my consciousness as you want. And then Sri Yukteswarji says, Your architectural dreams will materialize later. Now is the time for study. And then Yogananda describes for us those three um, institutions, those buildings that he was building in his mind. The first came came my founding of a boys yoga school on a ranchi plain. Then my American headquarters on a Los Angeles hilltop which is known as Mount Washington and finally a hermitage in southern california by the vast pacific which is another hermitage of uh, Shri, uh yoganandas sure, called insinetas well i guess we i guess yes. we'll stick to the class and then go later master never arrogantly asserted i prophesize that such and such an event shall occur He would rather hint. Don't you think it may happen? But his simple speech hid vatic power. There was no recanting. Never did his slightly veiled words prove false. Again, we come back to that same point. How powerful the words of a saint are. For they are reality itself. They define what reality is to be. And even, as Yogananda says, it can be thinly veiled, it can be, you know, just completely very subtle. It's not like this is going to happen and even no matter the slightest word that comes out from their mouths will pass. And, you know, on a perhaps lower level, although it's hard to say, I think we experienced this with Swamiji as well. Um, Never, ever did he say, this is going to happen. I think this, I see this, Uh, Master told me this, my meditation revealed this to me. Always, always, always. And especially this was when it related to another disciple's own process. He would always say, well, it's possible. It might. I think there's, you know, a chance. He
1: never assumed and he never, like, took for granted. Even the inspiration or intuition he received uh, about so many people's next steps. But he never really forced that into anyone.
0: And also he didn't, you know, want to interfere or influence us Mm -hmm. because uh, it's important again and again. This process is ours, you know, and we have to go through it. And nobody else, even the saints, they are here to guide us, inspire us. Um, transform us only to the amount that we actually are able to receive and open and that's the hidden key here that we'll see again and again in these the lives of these masters it's only as much as you allow that's all that's all that can take place in this world Sri upteshwar was reserved and matter of fact in demeanor there was not of the vague or daft visionary about him his feet were firm on the earth his head in the haven of heaven practical people aroused his admiration saintliness is not dumbness divine perceptions are not incapacitating he would say the active expression of virtue gives rise to the keenest intelligence again, stopping moment Sri Ji, as Yogananda explains it was inspired by practical people and this is a hallmark, I feel, of the teachings of this Mm. path that it has and is practical it has to be lived in every aspect of your life None of what we hear, see, speak is in the clouds. None of us like, oh, isn't it wonderful how many astral worlds there are and how many dimensions there are. I mean, people are so caught up in the chakras and how it works. Information. Yeah, where I am and where my kundalini is right now. And so many people come to us asking us these things and, you know, raised as we have been by Swami Kriyananda and these teachings, It's just, it's very hard for us to relate to, not because they aren't real, but they have no immediate, you know, what do I do? What do I do knowing that there are 1600 astral worlds? What do I do by knowing there are 14 dimensions or however many every day, it seems to be a different number. All I know is, am I kinder right now? (laughs) Am I more loving? Am I more joyful? Have I found ways to actually bring my meditation into the next half an hour of my life? Have I learned how to bring harmony into every interaction? Have I learned how the great intuitive perceptions that I receive are being applied daily in my life? And as Sri Yukteswarji says here, saintliness is not dumbness. And sometimes you know we we feel that if you're saintly or if you're in this bhav of you know bliss then somehow you can't fully act in this world that somehow then you have to be removed from this world and there have been saints who um when they went into that blissful state were obviously just kind of unable to fully relate to the world but uh, this time especially on this path This is not what our masters are asking for of us. Not once will you see in the lives of any of our masters where what they're teaching isn't just absolutely livable in the moment. He then says divine perceptions are not incapacitating. Not once will they kind of make you unable to fulfill your karma, your dharma, your responsibilities, the role that you've come to play here. Not once can you use your divine perceptions as an excuse not to be fully present in the reality in which God has placed you. And then finally, and this I love, the active expression of virtue gives rise to the keenest intelligence. Which is what? What is virtue? Virtue here, you can say in a sense, means the practice of the yamas and the niyamas. And the more we are practicing virtue, kindness, loving thoughts, truthfulness, you know, a little bit of discipline, a little bit of introspection. The more we do that, Sri Yukteswarji says, you will develop an even keener intelligence in the process. So many people feel that, oh, these These yamas niyamas are not really practical. They can't really be practiced. I can't always be kind because people will take advantage of me. I can't always be, you know, truthful because then, of course, um, I'll keep getting myself (laughs) into trouble. And whatever our excuses are, but Sri Yukteswarji is saying the more we practice them, in fact, even on a worldly, outward, practical level, our own intelligence, our intellect will develop in the process and this is a wonderful experiment perhaps to try and see as you practice these teachings as you practice the steps towards virtue what does that do to you how does that shape the way you perceive the way you reflect the way you express yourself
1: and manifesting that refinement of understanding through your behavior, through your actions, through your words. Uh, I, I really feel that that what brings out from each one of us, once we are working on those attitudes, is a very unique refinement. I saw that in Swami Kriyananda and was one of the most um, sure. impactful, things I learned or absorbed by being in his presence he wasn't not only right there with each one of us fully present hearing not only our words but what our energy was emanating from us the kind of vibration and frequency we were emanating what was going on around him I mean his senses were so sharp and yet even in the little things like how to ask me for example could you bring me that book please I mean the vibration of his thoughts the kindness that you could feel behind everything he asked of you he made to serve him and even though he wasn't interested at all for us to serve him personally but he made each one of his requests to each one of us as one of the greatest privilege to do that for him because we were not just serving him but that consciousness that was emanating from him we were responding to that perfected understanding of what true kindness means, what true truthfulness means. And you were always relating to that highest essence that he achieved. So um, once we perfect these understandings, again, brings out of us a unique refinement that makes everyone around us to enjoy that presence so much and it has nothing to do with what we say or what we do, but just that consciousness of refinement that at a soul level we can intuitively perceive.
0: In Master's life, I fully discovered the cleavage between spiritual realism and the obscure mysticism that spuriously passes as a counterpart. This is what we were talking about. The sharp difference, as Yogananda puts it, between spiritual realism and the obscure mysticism that spuriously passes as a counterpart my guru was reluctant to discuss the super physical realms somebody who knows every realm there is possible who can not only knows them, can be there probably is there simultaneously could explain to you everything in the greatest detail yet he was reluctant ever to discuss such things i love this line His only, and this is in inverted commas then, his only marvelous aura was one of perfect simplicity. Sometimes people come to us and say, I can see your aura, I can see this light. And, oh, I was watching this video of somebody else, of course, and say, I could see, you know, the colors and this and that. (laughs) I mean, it's sweet, of course. And I'm sure some people do have that clairvoyant gift, but just look at what, Yogananda is saying here about his own Guru, his marvelous aura was just one of perfect simplicity. And that's again, that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for colors and we're not looking to that somebody come and tell us how wide some, you know, sphere around us is. It's just, are we perfectly in that simplistic reality of God's presence? And that's all that matters. In conversation, he avoided startling references. In action, he was freely expressive. In conversation, he never made any hoo-ha. But in his action, everything he did, he was freely expressive. He was much more about showing these realities than talking about these realities. Others talked of miracles, but could manifest nothing. Sri Yukteswar seldom mentioned the subtle laws, but secretly operated them at will. A man of realization does not perform any miracle until he receives an inward sanction, Master explained. God does not wish the secrets of his creation revealed promiscuously. Also, every individual in the world has inalienable in, in right to his free will. A saint will not encroach upon that independence. This is a wonderful place to, to, end, yeah. to close. Just again, another moment for us to align with a true man of God. To align with God himself, really, is... God's not up there showing his powers. He's not trying to impress us with any miracles. His greatest miracle is, as Yogananda put it, that with all the power of the universe, he yet does not use it, you know, however he wants to. And uh, that's the humility of the saints, of true saints, is that until and unless these teachings, these principles, philosophies, understandings, are not being lived and not being exemplified they are for all (laughs) purposes quite useless it's wonderful to know it's wonderful to hear it's wonderful to read it's wonderful to be inspired but at the end of the day if you do nothing with it if it does not immediately bring in you a greater dedication to manifest them in your lives well then they're just words just information then you might as well be reading some Nancy Drew novel because that's all this is it's entertainment you know and most of us look at the spiritual path more for the entertainment value and uh, less for the educative value